0: Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission, to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now, here is today's message.
1: Well, good morning, Northgate Church. I am so glad to be with you this morning. Um, It's always a delight to come back here. You know, I always say there's nothing I would rather do than teach the Word of God to a group of hungry, thirsty believers in Jesus Christ. And the truth is, there's nowhere I would rather teach it more than where I love the people so much. And you are among those people. I'm really a hometown girl. I was born and raised in Alabama Center. You know where that is? Just two houses up from the grocery store. My grandparents actually owned that grocery store for many many years. Graduated from Oakfield, Alabama High School. So when I come to Northgate, I'm coming home, let me tell you. And I just want to thank Pastor Vern and Pastor John for inviting me to come and leave a deposit of the word with you this morning. So when uh, Pastor John contacted me this summer and said, Carol, would you stay over and teach the word after the women's conference? Of course, I said yes. And then I said, what what do you want me to, to teach on? And he said, well, actually, we're going to just have begun a study on the book of Hebrews. And I said, you are kidding me. What a massive undertaking. You know, when you study Hebrews on a Sunday morning, it's sort of like trying to just take a sip of water from a massive fire hose. So just get ready to get drenched in the best way possible because that's what will happen to your walk with Christ as we study the book of Hebrews together um i confessed to pastor john through our correspondence and email that a couple summers ago i had studied the book of hebrews and i was just chomping at the bit to share part of it with somebody so you're my somebody this morning i get to share with you this morning um Pastor John told me, Carol, just read through chapters 2 and 3 and just see what the Lord would say to you about those two chapters and share that with us. So as I read chapters 2 and 3, man, just four passages just jumped right out at me. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at four Different uh, passages in these two chapters, and we're going to learn from them, grow from them, and be changed by them. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Father God, we are just delighted to be in your presence. I think about the psalmist who said, I was glad to me. I was glad when they said, Let us go to the house of the Lord. So, Father God, here we are. We're your kids. We're gathered around the table, and we want food. We want to grow. We want to know you in your power and glory. Lord, we want to be changed. So we give us, we give you permission this morning, Holy Spirit, to change us, rearrange us, encourage us, dare us to live for Christ in everything we do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, I believe that the book of Hebrews is one of those books in the Bible that is just as vital and life giving today as it was about 2,000 years ago when it was first written. The Holy Spirit's like that. You know, the Bible's like that. It's not a flat book that was written just to a particular people at one time in history, but but the Bible is timeless, and it has messages for us today in the 21st century. We're going to just take a moment, and I'm going to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of review that I'm sure Pastor Vern gave you last week, but I want to make sure you know where I'm coming from this morning. So Hebrews was likely written to a group of people who were about to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. They'd served Jesus, but the culture, the world had come at them. And so they were about to walk away. Sounds like the church today, doesn't it? We don't know who we are. We don't know what we... we, Northgate knows who you are. You know who you are. But there are so many churches who don't know who they are. Or what they believe. Um, Hebrews was written to a people group who had doubts. They had big doubts about their faith, and they were contemplating returning to their former way of thinking before they knew Jesus Christ. It sounds like many churches today, doesn't it? Hebrews has impact for us today. The purpose of the epistle of Hebrews is to remind the body of Christ, to remind the people of God of the sufficiency of Christ and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. I think that we could almost consolidate the book of Hebrews into this very short sentence. And then you could go home. Just kidding. You can't go home. But the very short sentence is this, he is enough and he is in charge. That's the book of Hebrews in a nutshell. So now you've got it. Um, Hebrews was written to warn of the dangers that happen when you drift away from your faith in Jesus Christ. And all of us have to be careful of that. We're all tempted to drift away in our thought life, in our choices, in our belief system of a strong and vibrant and enthusiastic faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews is for us. So knowing that These are the four passages I chose from Hebrews chapter uh, two and three. First of all, Hebrews chapter two, verse one, you'll see it on the screen behind me. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. So the first question is, well, for what reason? for all the reasons I just gave you. Because Christ is enough and he is in charge, we must pay much closer attention to the tenets of our faith or we will drift away. Because our faith in Jesus Christ is our anchor. It's what holds us fast in every storm. For that reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've been taught So we don't drift away because the world, the culture is after you. They don't want you to believe we really do have an enemy and he's trying to get you to throw away your belief system. Because of that, we must pay much closer attention to the truth in scripture or we will drift away. So my brothers and my sisters, pay close attention. Pay close attention, open your Bible, open the sacred pages of scripture, lean into it, make a valiant effort to know the things of Jesus Christ so you don't drift away. Now I'll tell you this, drifting away is a whole lot easier than paying close attention is. Paying close attention takes focus. It takes hard work. You're going to have to roll up your spiritual sl- sleeves and dig in. and Carve out time to dig into the Word of God. You know, you, you can't just think about Jesus and think you're okay. No, you gotta dig in. You have to pay closer attention. You can't just say, Oh, Carol, I've gone to church three times this year. I'm good. I'm good. I know what I believe. Oh, Carol, I, I went to vacation Bible school. Let's see. I think it was like in about 1994. I'm good. I'm good. I learned everything there was to learn. Oh, Carol, you don't know. I had a grandmother who prayed for me like three times a day. I'm good. Her prayers have got me covered. Well, her prayers do have you covered, but her prayers are going to propel you to pay much closer attention to the truth of Scripture. So it's interesting. This verse doesn't just say pay close attention. It says pay closer attention. So whatever you're doing to know Jesus, to, to grow your faith walk, do more of it. Up at a level or two or three or four. Now, this verse is interesting to me because it's asking you to do something today that will impact your future. It says, pay closer attention to what you have heard so that you don't drift away. And that is not what we are conditioned to do in our society. We want instant gratification. We we are a microwave generation. We are a fast food people group and we have very little patience. But this verse is telling you to make some choices today that will impact your life tomorrow pay closer attention so that you don't drift away. Now, this phrase, pay closer attention, was actually a nautical phrase. And, and so it was a term that was known, you know, in the ancient world, sailing in boats was the chief mode of transportation. And, and so the readers of the book of Hebrews, they knew exactly what was being referenced in this pay closer attention. It was a nautical phrase, and this is what it meant. To hold the ship toward port, to fasten the anchors to the seabed. So my friends, every anchor of your life must be put into the truth of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, when a storm comes, when doubts assail, you're going to drift. You're going to drift away from the port, away from the safe harbor of Jesus Christ. If there's just one thing you could do to enlarge your faith, read your Bible. That's your just one thing. J- just one thing. If there's just one thing you could do to divide right from wrong and make wise decisions, it's read your Bible. And remember, I said, whatever you're doing, do it more read your Bible. If there's just one thing you could do so you don't drift away, read your Bible. Mamas and daddies, if there's just one thing you could do to make sure your kiddos don't drift away when they become teenagers and young adults, teach them the truth of Scripture. You know, the prophet Jeremiah said that the Word of God does not return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent forth. So when you're met with a cultural conflict, because that's who the writer of the Hebrews is writing to people who were in a cultural conflict, just like we are today. When you're met with a cultural conflict, don't say, Oh, I wonder what my favorite Instagram influencer has to say about this. No, we go to the word of God. Don't, don't say, I I wonder if they're going to cover this topic on the evening news. No, we are a people who find our truth, our wisdom from Scripture. Don't, don't just Google it and see what your favorite politician, what stand they make on this issue. No, we go to the truth of Scripture. We pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away from it. Again, the Holy Spirit is asking us to make a decision today that will impact our future and that future um, impact is so that you don't drift away from it. Again, this phrase is a nautical phrase. Let me read to you what it means. It's a seafaring phrase. It's describing a ship aimlessly drifting beyond safe harbor and headed for shipwreck because the sailors forgot to take into account the direction and speed of the wind and tides the American church is drifting, my friends, because we've not taken into account what is happening in our culture. We are drifting. We are headed for shipwreck. So we must pay closer attention to the truth of scripture so we don't drift. You know, it's amazing to me that although this particular um, book of the Bible was probably written about 2000 years ago, give give or take a couple decades, the Holy Spirit knew that there would be believers in the 21st century who would be tempted to drift. So I have a question for you, and it's a good one. And then we're going to move to our next passage. This is my question for you this morning. Are you a drifter? Have you drifted? What do you do if you've already done some drifting away from the truth of Scripture? You come back. That's what you do. You you come back. You, You open the Word. You have vibrant conversations with other believers. You allow yourself to be discipled by someone else who knows the Word of God. If you've been drifting, welcome home come on back. There's room in the port for you in the safety of the harbor. You know, boats drift away when they don't have an anchor. Do do you have an anchor in your life? Boats drift when they're not using a map. Are you using your map throughout life? Boats drift when the sailors are not watching their position watch your position. And again, moms and dads have hard conversations with your kids. Ask them what they're talking about in school. Ask them what they've watched in a show or in a movie. Talk to them about their music and always bring them back to the vibrancy of scripture, to the truth of scripture. One thing as I thought about this verse. I realized that very few people in an instant drift away, do they? It's not like a bam thing that happens to us. But drifting is slowly, breeze by breeze, ripple by ripple, we begin to convince ourselves that the Bible is no longer applicable. No, we believe the word of God, and we're going to pay much closer attention so that we don't drift away. I I think... Maybe one of the things that really causes families to drift away today is is busyness. Um, I raised five children I was a homeschool mom and then my kids played football and soccer and piano lessons and 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 ballet and and you name it we did it okay but if I had it to do over again and I don't, we get one shot at, at mothering at, at, at being parents if I had to do it over again. I, I would make some adjustments, I, I just want to tell you. I'd make some adjustments. I would prioritize faith, conversations about Jesus, singing worship songs together around the piano or listening on the radio. I, I would prioritize youth group and, and Sunday school and family devotions over sports and extracurricular and social life, because if you don't, you will raise a generation of drifters who don't know what they believe and don't have the anchor. So that was passage number one. Passage number two we're going to look at today. It's Hebrews chapter two, verse nine. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So my first question to you was, are you a drifter? My second question to you is, what are you looking at? Because this verse tells us exactly what to look at. And I love the way the writer phrased it. The, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, namely Jesus. What are you looking at? He tells us exactly where to fix our gaze when we're in a cultural tornado. He says, Look at Jesus. Look at the one whose name is Jesus. Don't set your eyes on what's going on in the world at the compromise and all the disappointments we have. Keep your gaze focused on Jesus. Don't you just love that? Namely, Jesus. That jumped right out at me. It almost took my breath away. I generally teach from the um, New American Standard Version of the Bible, but I want to read you the same verse from the New King James Version. It says this, but we see Jesus. What are you looking at, my friends? What? Do you have your gaze focused upon your disappointments, your discouragement, the economy, politics? Oh, no, 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 no. We are the ones who see Jesus in it all and through it all. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So this word see that's in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 is the Greek word blepo, B-L-E-P-O. And this is what it means. It means more than seeing. It means more than looking at. It means to discern mentally. So think about Jesus. It means to observe, perceive, discover, or understand my friend, no matter what's going on around you, keep your gaze focused on Jesus. Keep your heart set on who he is. Discover Jesus every day of your common life. You know, we all choose what we're going to look at in life, don't we? Um, I was thinking it's sort of like the TV, You know, you used to do the channels, now we do the remote. Some of you just do it on your phones, but we choose what we're gonna look at. ESPN, Fox News, The Voice, The Golden Bachelor, you choose what you're gonna watch. Well, so it is in our spiritual walk. We choose what we're going to look at. Will you be captivated by the culture? Will you be mesmerized by your disappointments? Will you be hypnotized? By materialism what are you looking at this verse Hebrews 2 9 should be the compass the north star of how we get through every situation in life look for Jesus keep your eyes set on him now Paul the writer of the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians reminds us that as believers in Christ we don't walk by what we see we are the ones who walk by faith walk by faith not by sight so what we see shouldn't be what we're seeing what we see should be Jesus what's around us was never meant to be our focus our emotions are not our roadmaps in life. Jesus is. So we are called to walk by faith, not by sight. Our focus is set on the one who died for us, namely Jesus. We see Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. We see Jesus who makes a way where there seems to be no way. We see Jesus to whom nothing is impossible. We see Jesus who loved us when we were so unlovable. We see Jesus who is filled with compassion and mercy. We see Jesus. That's what we're looking at. That's who we are. The next verse, the third verse that I want to share with you today is from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. So Hebrews 2, 9 told us to see Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 tells us to consider Jesus. Jesus. So considering Jesus is a another step. It's a paying closer attention to what you've been taught because considering goes a little bit beyond just seeing. First of all, who is this new Testament command written to? Well, it's written to, it says holy brethren, which means all of us who are in the body of Christ. It's written to members of the family of God are you a member of the family of God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior into your heart? Have you said, Jesus, forgive me of your sins? Have you said, yes, I believe? If you've done that, this verse is for you. It's got your name on it. It's for people who believe wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ. So this verse says, consider Jesus. Now, it takes my my tongue gets twisted every time I try to say this Greek word that means consider but I'm going to give it my best shot. I just have to think about it for a minute. It's kataneao. I probably butchered it, but I'm close. kataneao and it means to consider attentively, to fix one's eyes or mind upon. One Greek scholar defines it like this, to fix attention on something in such a way that the inner meaning of the thing, the lesson that the thing is designed to teach may be learned. So if you just wanted to know what time it was, you would look at your watch or or look at your phone. But if you wanted to know how your clock or your watch worked, you'd take it apart. You'd, you'd get a book about it, you, you'd, you'd watch a YouTube video about it, so that you could figure out, so you could understand how exactly does a watch work? Well, that's the step going further considering learning a lesson from Jesus. This is how the Message Bible paraphrases this verse. So my dear Christian friends, companions in following this call to the heights, take a good hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. Consider Jesus. One Greek scholar says, says that that word katan, really is best defined by words like fascination, obsession, concentration. What are you obsessed with? What are you concentrating on? Are you fascinated by Jesus? I sure hope so. Nobody in all of human history could ever come close to who Jesus is. Remember, he's in charge. Not Confucius, not Muhammad, not George Washington, not Josh Allen, none of them can even compare to who Jesus is. You can look through the annals of history and there's nobody like him. You know, flipping through the Bible is not enough for a person who wants to consider Jesus. We have a lifetime obsession, and we're very proud of it. And his name is Jesus. We, we've got to know him, who he is, and his power and his truth. We're going to learn from it, and our lives are going to be revolutionized by it. I've realized that in my life, I choose my fascinations. Just like you choose what you're gonna look at on any given day, you also choose your obsessions. You choose what you're fascinated by, shopping, materialism, education, your career, sports, travel. What is it in life that fascinates you? Oh, let it be Jesus. Be fascinated by him. I'll choose Jesus every time. I'll choose Jesus in every storm. I'll choose Jesus in every disappointment. I'll keep my eyes on him when the world is trying to convince me to walk away. This girl is going to be obsessed with Jesus. What about you? Okay, the fourth verse, and and this honestly will be the most fun verse we're going to study today. If the three verses were more theological in, nat- in nature, you know, has to do with our relationship with God. This, ver- this verse goes straight this way. It's going to help you so much in your human relationships. Look, guys, let me tell you, it's going to change your marriage. This next verse is going to change your marriage. It, re- it really is. Uh, so let's begin. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So this one is, is extremely practical, a whole lot of fun, and we're just going to focus on that middle piece of it, Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another day after day while it is still called today. If you have wondered what God's will for your life is, if you have wondered what your job description is, if you have wondered what your destiny might look like, this is it. You are called to be an encourager. Wonder no more. Every person in your life, God has strategically put in your life so that you would encourage them. That difficult person at work, they're not there by mistake. They're there because they need your encouragement. Your your child's teacher that's just really hard to get along with, your child wasn't put in that classroom by mistake. Your child was put in that classroom so you could encourage that teacher but encourage one another day after day while it is still called today. Now this word encourage, it's a compound Greek word. It comes from two separate Greek words, para, which means alongside, to walk beside, and kaleo, which means to encourage, to advise, to give wisdom to. And when you put those two words together, it becomes the Greek word paraclete, Which did you know that the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete in the New Testament? Well, we are called to encourage one another day after day while it is still called today. So when you don't know what to do, encourage somebody. When a relationship is unraveling, encourage the person. When somebody has offended you, encourage them. When somebody is discouraged, you be the encourager. Is it today? Is today today? then this is your assignment, to encourage the people in your life. Now, the verb tense that's used here is a continual action. It, it never stops. So you don't get to say, well, yeah, I encouraged my mom like three years ago on Mother's Day. I'm good. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a continual action. We are called to continually encourage one another. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you do. It's who you are. This summer, my husband and I were traveling together, which we rarely do. He's usually off to someplace like India or Nepal or Korea, and I just like America a whole lot, so I'm staying around here most of the time. But this summer, we were able to, to take a little getaway together, and we were flying home, and our plane was late getting into the Dallas airport. We were supposed to land, I think it was at about 7 or 7.30, and we finally landed at 11 o'clock at night. The good news was our first plane was still there because that plane had been delayed as well. So we entered the waiting area where hundreds of passengers were already angry, upset and frustrated and and we just got there in time to board the flight. We sat on this flight on the ground for about an hour and finally we heard a voice that said you all need to deplane because there's something wrong with this airplane. And so everybody got up. And because it was summertime, there were a lot of young families on the plane on vacations, lots of babies, lots of toddlers. And as we deplaned this flight. You know, I'm always, I'm a people observer. I watch people. So I was listening um, to what the different people were saying. And young moms were saying, I've run out of diapers. I only brought enough diapers to make it this many hours. I've run out of formula. What what are we going to do? I only brought enough formula to make it this amount of time. There were elderly people that Craig and I were, were just trying to help the best we could. But there were also irate people who used words that, quite frankly, I have never heard before in my entire life. And they were yelling at the sweet little girl behind the counter who couldn't do a thing about the situation we were in. And and, and a fight, actually this is true, a fight broke out between two women. And it was horrible. And Craig looked at me and he said, honey, let's go downstairs and let's see if we can rent a car to get home. And I thought, good idea. No wonder I married you. You are a brilliant man. And so we walked downstairs and he said, you go get our luggage and I'll go find a car. Well, I walked up to the woman at, in the baggage claim and she said, you're not going to get your luggage tonight. There's nobody here to get your luggage off that plane." there's no way and I said oh okay you know thanks appreciate it and I saw my husband walking down the hallway and he's shaking his head at me no like there are no rental cars and then another fight broke up broke out I kid you not I'm not exaggerating between people at the baggage claim because they were so upset and and the woman behind the baggage claim said I quit I'm leaving I'm out of here and all these people are angry well you know what I started doing I started saying could I could I help you to to some young moms I I said what can I do for you and I and we were helping old people get to their seats and just trying to diffuse the situation saying you know what it's really going to be okay look we're all safe we're all safe it's going to be okay and I was standing there talking to a very upset group trying to get everybody to calm down and I saw a woman coming toward me out of the corner of my eye and she looked at me and she said where are you from And I said, I'm from Oklahoma City. She said, So am I. Here are my car keys. You can drive my car home. I said, What? You don't even know me. And she said, No, I don't know you, but I've watched you. She said, And we need to get our car back to Oklahoma City. So would you take it home and just drop it off at my house tomorrow? Here's my address. Like, who does that? Who does that? You have no idea how much being the encourager might change the long-term effects of your life. Now, in my Bible, next to this verse, Hebrews 3.13, I have written the words, in my marriage. Encourage each other day after day while it is still called today, in my marriage. So I encourage my husband, I say, honey, you're doing so good, even when he forgot to take out the trash. I say to my husband, honey, I like being married to you even when he's hurt my feelings because we all hurt each other's feelings, don't we? When he forgets my mama's birthday, I say, honey, I'm so glad I married you because you're just so cute. You might be forgetful, but you're cute. Encourage one another day after day while it is still called today. If a person is in your life, that means you have been assigned to be their encourager. That girl at Tim Hortons who always gets your order wrong, you're her encourager. You're the one who's there. Your children's teachers, your neighbors, your pastors, your family members. If a person is in your life, it's because God wants you to encourage them today. We are called to live a lifestyle of encouragement. Now, let me tell you something in closing. This is especially important if, like me, you struggle with depression. Some of you know my story, but I've really battled depression my entire adult life. I'm doing good. Y'all don't worry about me, I'm doing great. I've learned um, how to fight it. But if you do battle depression like I do, this verse has your name on it. Because when you encourage somebody, either verbally, or with a gift, or with generosity, or writing them a note, or just by being a good friend, something happens inside of you. Your endorphin level actually raises. Endorphins are hormones that help you battle depression. Those endorphins fight against the depressive nature that you might have. So when you encourage somebody else, the blessings coming back to you because it's going to encourage you. And somebody told me last night another interesting thing about endorphins is that when your endorphins are rising because you've been kind to somebody else, your endorphins are saying, Give me more. I want more. I want to go higher. And so you're going to be encouraged to do it again and again and again. Over the last couple years, my family has gone through a very traumatic life event. Don't worry about my husband and me. We're great. It had to do with one of our children, and it traumatized the entire family, and we, we all went to trauma counseling, and my husband and I especially went because we, we didn't know what to do. We felt so powerless, and, and, and we wanted to be wise, but, but we were just at the end of ourselves. And so we went to a trauma counselor, and, and, and she said to us, she said, listen, stop telling your daughter what to do. You don't need to tell her what to do. She said, figure out what your assignment is in this trauma, and then stay in your lane. And she looked at me, and she said, Carol, what's your assignment? And I said, my assignment is to encourage Joy, my daughter, and to take care of Haven, her little girl. And the trauma counselor said, great. So every decision you make from here on out, you'll say, am I staying in my lane? Am I doing what I've been assigned to do? And so for the last two years, I haven't given advice. I haven't told my girl what to do. I've just said, honey, I'm so proud of you. You're such an amazing girl. You're going to make it. You're a wonderful mama. I I love being your mom. Honey, I love your faith in God. I knew my assignment.'" It's your assignment, too. Stay in your lane. You've been called to live in the lane of encouragement. So when you encourage somebody, you are more powerful than the media. You are more powerful than the politicians of our age. When you encourage somebody, you're acting a whole lot like Jesus. And who wouldn't want to do that? So what did we learn this morning? We learned not to drift away but to stay in the word of God. We've learned to keep our eyes set on Jesus in every storm. We've learned to be obsessed with Jesus, to think about him, to research him, to do everything we can to develop a vibrant relationship. And we've learned that our job description is to encourage each other. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, we love the word of God. Lord, we love hanging out with you and just growing in our faith. And Father, I pray for every person in this room right now that the Holy Spirit would seal this word in their hearts. And Father, most of all, that they would walk away seeing you, knowing you, and encouraging one another day after day while it is still called today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: We just thank Carol for being here this morning and this whole weekend. Excellent. Thank you, Carol. I pray that as you go through your week, this, these coming days, that you hear God inviting you over and over again. Look to Jesus. If you go through a hard spot in this week, hear God tell you, look to Jesus. If something good comes your way, hear God telling you, look to Jesus. If you have questions, doubts, concerns about anything at all, look to Jesus this week. He'll be there for you. The benediction is from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless
0: you. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being part of the Northgate podcast today. Your support and engagement have truly been incredible. If you like what you hear, then please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the Northgate podcast. It's your enthusiasm and continued support that keeps us motivated and inspired to creating meaningful content that resonates with our listeners. So thanks again.